Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear friends, thank you again for joining us on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. I'm here with my pastor friend, uh, Frank Friedman. I'm John Russin. I serve as your host. How are you today, my friend? Doing very well, John. How about you? I am better than I deserve. Not as good as I'd like to be, but I'm better than I deserve, to quote Dave Ramsey. And friends, (laughs) if you have just joined us for the first time, Frank and I are having a little sidebar series here that uh, we're basically calling Pivotal Words in Scripture. Of course, all words in Scripture are pivotal, but these are some of the things that Frank and I think are absolutely changing uh, in Scripture. And what I mean by that is a case where a single word or a single phrase changes everything about a circumstance. And if you were with us last time, you know we've started on our first one of those pivotal phrases, and that's, but God. We spent a lot of time doing a little bit of history, Frank, didn't we? Going through Joseph's story in Genesis chapter 45 uh, and in Genesis chapter 50. And where we wound up, my friend, uh, we were talking about how Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers. They're petrified. And he doesn't say in Genesis 45, hey, I'm the number two guy here in Egypt, so you better listen close. He says, hey, I am your brother, Joseph. I'm sure he had an Egyptian name, Grand Poobah, illustrious potentate. He doesn't use that at all. He said, hey, I'm Joseph. Remember me? So, Frank, pick it up right there. What's the dynamic of the relationship going on right now? Well, they hated him so much they sold him into slavery. I don't know that you can have rejection communicated to you in a more powerful way. But while in slavery, in Egypt, God put his favor on Joseph and blessed him everywhere he went. Finally, to the point where through a circumstance with a dream from Pharaoh, Pharaoh was so pleased, Joseph became prime minister of Egypt. Through the dream that Pharaoh had, There were seven years of glorious harvest. Joseph used his wisdom and stored up grain and food during that seven years of prosperity. So when the famine hit, Egypt had plenty. The brothers in the homeland heard that Egypt had food when they didn't, and they showed up to ask for help. And who do they go to? Their brother. Surprise. Yeah, surprise. (laughs) They don't recognize it but he knows who they are. And John, I just love his honesty. I am your brother whom you sold into slavery, but God. But God, you know, that's that's <laughs> just so cool. You know, and let's unpack that a little further, my friend, as we go through here. As listen to you talk, this thought just popped into my head that when he told them that he was their brother, Joseph, He not only reminded them of who he was, but I look at it as 
he's going back beyond this famine, beyond their lies, beyond their jealousies, beyond the coat, beyond the sell into slavery. He's going back to the fundamental aspect of their relationship. I'm your brother. Strip away everything else. That's who I am to you. Basically, Frank, he tells them, I'm willing to start over again. Wow. Whoa. I mean, this is exactly what God does to us. You know, he says, yeah, you did all those things, John. But, you know, they're taken care of at the cross. They're forgiven. And, John, you're my son. And so we're going to go back to the very beginning and we're going to start over and build a new dynamic relationship between us that never would have existed without me working in your life. This is just amazing, Frank. Joseph steps in just like just like a picture of Jesus and says, I'm going to start over with you guys. I'm going to provide miraculously. You don't have to worry about anything, but hey, I'm your brother. Let's go from there and build on that foundation. Wow, what a picture of Jesus, isn't it? Oh, John, I can't help but listening to you thinking of Peter. And you remember three times he denied. And three times Jesus asks him, do you love me? And, you know, you instantly, as my mind starts to think, wait a minute, what happened to our sins being remembered no more? But that wasn't it. Jesus had a greater agenda. Every time he said, feed my sheep, go feed my sheep. In other words, Peter, nothing's changed. You're still my guy. And Joseph functions just like Jesus. He says, brothers, nothing's changed. Yeah. Be- because it it's, isn't about you and me. This is about God. And he stepped into our lives. And he wants to step into our lives in an ever greater way. And he wants to use us to step into other people's lives. This is a much better bigger agenda. Indeed it is. And during this time, of course, uh, he says in verse seven of chapter 45, you know, it's okay. God sent me here before you to preserve a remnant on the earth, to keep alive for you many survivors, because I'm going to keep them alive for you, all my brothers, because you guys got jobs to do. You guys Mm got to carry the message of the coming King, and I'm going to keep them alive. God says, by sending Joseph. Now, we have no idea, Frank, how God would have gotten Joseph to Egypt in his plan, in plan A, because the boy stepped in and did a plan B, but God just worked through that anyway. Mm. And it's it's cool. He says, you're my brothers. And yeah, you, you sold me into slavery, but he doesn't go through all the steps to say, well, this is how I've forgiven you. He just says, hey, man, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves. In other words, I've already forgiven you. You guys need to forgive yourselves because you sold me here. He's far more concerned about the way his brothers are going to respond to him than he's going to be concerned about responding to his brothers because he's already taken care of that. He's already forgiven them. He's seen God's hand. And now his heart is for his brothers. Wow. Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Forgive yourselves, guys. Okay, you blew it, but, you know, God's worked through it, even so you, even though. It's it's 
just amazing, John. And I think you pointed out last time the two specific usages of that phrase, but God. The yeah. first times they're found in the Bible, which sets the stage for the whole rest of the Bible. No matter what you're facing, it's not the end of the story. We live with a but God, God. The first one, he says, it wasn't you that sent me, it was God. The second time in Genesis 50, 20, he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So this is an amazing, almost mind boggling thought, John. There's no evil in God, can never be any evil in God. He's only good. But the brothers, they have evil intent. And yet God claims in the passage in Genesis 45, that he's the one who sent Joseph, but it was the brothers, but it was God, but it was the brothers, but it was God. How do we explain all that? This is what I got from a friend of mine. You know him very well as well, Jim Fowler. He said this when I asked him about this. He said, God is the ultimate cause of all things in the universe, but without being culpable of any evil at all, because it would be a violation of his character. Now, John, that blows my mind. I don't know how to lay hold of that. Yeah, I can translate the words, but I don't know <laughs> what it means, Frank. It's simply that God is so big, so good, that even when it looks bad, he's behind it. And he's in it. And even though it looks bad, it's good. Hang in there. You'll see the goodness one day. Uh, John, we have to have a big God. Uh, I have to have a God who's bigger than me. If I could figure God out with my mind, then God would have a very small mind. Yeah, that's and for sure. Because I know your mind. I work with it. <laughs> and then why would I ever trust him? Because he's so small. Yeah, He's so big, John. And, and I think this is... Maybe we run with this just for a minute. I don't want to sidetrack us, but Job is very similar. All those things happened to Job. Terrible circumstances of life. Finally, Job gets upset and says, where are you, God? What is this all about? And you realize, John, God never answered his question. That's right. He didn't. He simply asked Job 77 questions in return, none of which Job could answer. And here's the amazing thing I find in that circumstance. That was enough for Job. He says in response, I used to say I knew you, but now I really see. And what did he see? You're so big, so smart, so good. Even if I don't understand, I have to trust you. That's it, John. Yeah, that's it. And Joseph got that. As we jump ahead and look in Genesis chapter 50, we've been jumping back and forth between Genesis 45 and 50, but Joseph got that and he was ready to minister forgiveness and life to his brothers. I'm looking here in, um, where's this verse? Verse 17, please forgive the transgressions of your servants of the God of your father. And then Joseph looked at them and he wept brokenhearted. He looked at his brothers and they come and fall down before him. And, and what Joseph says just melts my heart, Frank. He's, they say, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said, get up. 
I don't want servants. I got all the servants I want. I want family. I want brothers. I want relationship. That's all I ever wanted with you. It's interesting that the vision Joseph talked about, everybody bowing down before him, when he finally happens, he doesn't even want it. Isn't he just that amazing? wants relationship. That's so, you know, God has done a, a miraculous work in the heart of Joseph so that he is really willing and ready to minister to his brothers because they're afraid. No, we're your servants. <laughs> Forgive us, please. And he's more concerned. He, Joseph, is more concerned about them forgiving themselves because they can never be free unless mm. they can. And this is how God functions. He forgives us and he wants us to walk completely in forgiveness so that we can relate to him as family. That's all he ever wanted. So when I look at this, my friend, I think, but God is the biggest stirring stick I can ever imagine. Stick it into a mess and mix it around and you get miracles when God shows up. My goodness. Wow. What do I say? I turn it over <laughs> to you. That's what I say. What do I say? John, I think we need a bigger God. I think my biggest struggle in life is that my God is too small in my eyes and I loom too large in my eyes. Uh, and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think all of humanity was birthed under the lie that we shall be as God. So we all have an inflated view of ourselves, an inflated view of our life, an inflated view of our responsibility and purpose and all of that kind of thing. And Probably the greatest verse in the Bible to apply to what we've seen in these last two podcasts is the words of John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. We have got to see that this isn't all about us, it's about God. And yet, because it's all about God, it's all about us, because he's all about us. Yeah. And so we need a smaller us and a much bigger God. Yeah. And that's really what I see in this life of Joseph. You look at him as a young man. My goodness, John, he was all about himself. And you see him during the valley of life. He, he has to depend upon God. And he finds God in a way that was beyond his former knowledge. And then as we near the end of his life, we find that Joseph now is all about others. Uh, he has yeah. been transformed into the image of Christ. Amen. Wow. You know, I, I just staggering by what we just talked about a moment ago, the very thing he paraded around in front of his family, when he finally got it, he didn't even want it. Yeah. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> I want to spend just a moment, my friend, and looking at uh, verse 20, where it says, God meant it for good. You meant it for evil. Mm. God meant it for good. That's the same word. They're not two different words exactly. in Hebrew. And that word meant... It literally means to weave together or to fabricate, almost like to contrive. You can use it metaphorically to mean contrive, to be conniving. And so the brothers did their best or did their worst, maybe, and put together what they thought was an ironclad plan to get rid of their of the rock in their shoe. Mm. And God said, oh, yeah, mm. <laughs> watch this. Mm. You can weave a plan. Guess what? I can weave a thread into that pattern. <laughs> that will totally change the way those things work out. And so I look at that and say, you know, how many times, Frank, have we looked at circumstances in our lives 
We just wonder how on earth God can ever fix us. What a nightmare. I'm doomed. This will never work out. But God has just stepped up and said, oh, yeah, but have you considered this? And all of a sudden, everything changes because mm -hmm. God could take the very fabric we make of a mess of our lives and he can weave one thread in there and make it totally different. How mm. encouraging is that, man? Really? Mm. That word meant, I translated it when I taught this passage a couple of years ago, to plan and execute your plan. So we had the brothers planning evil and executing the evil at the very same time with the very same plan. God is planning good and executing his plan for good. And I stole this from a friend of mine, but I just had to because I've never heard it said better. The brothers thought they were the director of their play. God came in and said, no, 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 I'm directing the play. He used the same setting, the same actors, the same script, but with a totally different ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just how cool is that? And you know, it's so easy to look at this, Frank, and I can place myself into God's role because I do so often because I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> and the first thought that comes to my mind is I can do it better than you. You guys are just a bunch of losers. I'm going to do what I'm going to do and forget you. But that's not the heart of our God. You see that in verse 21, where Joseph says, don't fear. I mm. will provide for you and your little ones. In fact, mm. Frank, those are Joseph's very last words to his brothers that mm. scripture records to us. Don't fear. I've got you covered. I've already made provision. And Frank, you and I were talking about this earlier this morning when Elisha was in the city with his servant and they were surrounded and the servant was panicking. Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And then the curtains were lifted. And he saw for the first time all the miraculous provision that God had already put into place. This is the last word that Joseph, as a picture of Jesus, wants to communicate to us, Frank. Don't be afraid. Fear not. I've got you covered. The provision might not be what you expect, and it might not come in the way you thought it would. Mm. But I've got you. And it's going to work out for the best. Just hang in there and trust me. Wow. Wrap us up, my friend. Appreciate you, John. And thank you for those insights. This is the insight I think I would leave with everybody. When we're in a really dark valley, we are prone to think God couldn't be in this. We could be scratching and clawing to get out of that valley. And what we need to realize is that valley wouldn't be occurring if God weren't already in it. He didn't cause it, but he's in it. He's orchestrating the universe. He uses the genuine free choice of man to accomplish his own will. It's just mind-boggling. When we try to scratch and claw and get out of it, we may be scratching and clawing and fighting against God. And what he's trying to do in and through us through the circumstances of life. So I think what we really need to do is instead of trying to change the circumstance, this is a radical thought. In fact, is the thought we put in the new book we have out, Finding God in the Gray. 
sit down in the valley and ask God to meet you there. Find him in a way you never knew him, like Joseph did. And then watch him lead you out of the valley into a, a, a place in your life where you will see him, know him, and then become an instrument of his life to others. Wow. Now wow. that that's a thought worth having, John. And who would have thought that that would be possible in the valley of the shadow of death? Mm. Wow. It, but it can be. Friends, you've been listening to Frank and John on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. And we do ask that if Father has touched your heart today, we'd love to hear about it. Let us know. If you go to our website, ourresolutehope.com, you'll find a whole bunch of things there, articles, devotionals, newsletters, ebooks. But there's also a place for you to contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line. There's an opportunity to hear more of our conversation because there are archived podcasts there articulated by topic, so you can choose as you will. And of course, thank you for listening to us on our social media platforms. We have a presence on Facebook, Instagram. You know, we got two old guys who can't quite figure this out just yet, but we're trying. And we do ask your humble support and we ask your prayer as we continue this ministry. And we're going to trust Father with all that we will need to get this done. And as we close, Frank, we remind our friends one more time with the same reminder from Hebrews chapter six, that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. In his first epistle, we call it a resolute hope. It's a bedrock hope. And that hope is Jesus. So today and always choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.